Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of 2022, the Lauren Interviews podcast. I know you guys missed me last week. Um, I needed a break after my horrible bout with COVID. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, As you guys know, it was a sneeze for me, but I'm glad that I'm past it. So back in the day, I'd say about a year and a half ago, I was covering a lot of Hollywood crime. I took a break and now I've got a big story. Um, this is, this is somewhat related to Alec Baldwin, somewhat not. There's, there's some ties there, but I have one of my good friends and a very, very good attorney, Pete Gleason, joining me to tell you the story of something that went down on the set of motherless Brooklyn, the Edward Norton film, um, about two years ago, or actually three years ago. Now in 2018, a firefighter tragically lost his life on this set. Now it didn't get a whole lot of press when this happened. People knew about it. Edward Norton spoke publicly about it maybe one or two times, but that was it. Now, Pete is working with the FDNY. He will tell us more about what's going on, but it's totally crazy. And, um, you know, it's it's not good. It's not good. So, Pete, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Lauren. Yeah. So just first of all, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself um, and, you know, your claim to fame here? So I, I know that you you made the news a lot for a certain case that you worked on a few years ago. So if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about that, I would love that. Well, I, I've handled a number of high profile cases. I don't shy away from that. I am um, a former member of the NYPD. I'm a retired New York City fire marshal. And I also spent 20 years in the Coast Guard Reserve. So with, with all of this institutional experience, uh, there, there comes a certain level of, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe a distrust in the system because I've seen the system from the inside out. And the system, the system can work, uh, but you know, we, all, we always hear this adage, there's 10% bad apples in any organization. It's always the 10%. Right, right. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think the case that you were referring to was the, the soccer mom, madam, Anna Christina. Uh, okay. They put a $2 million bail on one charge of allegedly promoting prostitution. And it, what really struck me about that case and got me involved in that case was the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy mm-hmm. in the system. Uh, the, woman, the woman goes to jail and... Not that Elliot Spitzer was involved in that case, but Elliot Spitzer had his own run-ins with uh, with sex workers, and he gets a he gets a, uh, a talk show on uh, what right. is it, CNBC. So yeah, the, no, the, it's it's utter bullshit. Um, I also was referring to the Manhattan Madam. You you know that. Yeah, the, the, yeah the soccer mom, Madam. So yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Um, so no, but, that's, but getting, you're incredible for that. But getting getting to the the issue here. It also deals with hypocrisy and the hypocrisy of Hollywood mm-hmm. and how really the city of New York and the upper echelons of the FDNY covered up the death of one of their own. And it's despicable. It's disgraceful. 
And there's no other logical conclusion than it was meant to protect the Hollywood elite. Uh, let me give you a little background on this Michael yes. Davidson fire. So wait, let me just let me just start really quick um, by just refreshing listeners the the memory of of sort of what happened really fast, and and then you can correct me and get to sort of like the details of it. But just in layman's terms here, um, they were shooting Motherless Brooklyn. They had turned this house into some sort of movie set maze, right? And um, at one point, they cut the sprinkler system to be able to hook up lights or whatever it is no. they do. No, okay. Here's, here's you're 100% correct. They, they took over the operation and control of a building in Harlem. Okay. The movie company, Ed Norton's movie company, Motherless Brooklyn, which starred Alec Baldwin, Willem Dafoe, and Bruce Willis, along with Ed Norton. Mm -hmm. So they took over the operation and control of this Harlem, let's call it a brownstone. Uh, and they set up an internal speakeasy. They set up a movie set. But when mm -hmm. they set up the movie set, they use highly flammable petroleum-based movie set material. So they also interjected into this building some high-intensity lighting. Now, this building was inspected by the FDNY two weeks before the movie company took over. The sprinklers. It was in, the sprinkler system was inspected two weeks before and the sprinkler was found to be operational. So the only logical conclusion is the movie. And it makes sense. And I'll tell you why it makes sense, because I've spoken to some of the top lighting into some top lighting guys in the industry. Neither of them wanted to publicly state or be put on the record. But they both said these high intensity lights can trigger sprinkler systems. So logically, it makes sense. They want to protect all their hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of movie equipment. Mm. If the lights trigger the sprinkler system, it's going to destroy the movie equipment. But sprinkler systems work. And had the sprinkler system been operational during this fire, it would have it would have slowed the spread of this fire and not let it get into the intense inferno that it became, which took right. the life of, of Michael, Michael Davidson. Davidson. Yes. Now, Michael Davidson was the firefighter that lost his life three years ago. Now, just so I understand and I want to make sure that I'm totally clear on this. They inspected the sprinkler system two weeks before and they said, yep, it works. It's all good. Now, at this point, Pete, do you think that they the movie company had already disconnected it and the FDNY just sort of went along with it and said, you know what, they told us to sort of just be quiet about this. So we are. Or do you think that it happened after they got it inspected and then the film company was like, all right, that's it. We can you know, unhook it now. The assistant chief fire marshal at the time of the fire instructed his subordinates to cut the sprinkler systems, cut the OSNY valves out. Those are the valves that shut on and off the sprinkler system. Those, those OS and Y valves were taken off the scene and never vouchered. And that was per instruction of somebody on the set, the film set. They didn't just do no, that it themselves. Was, it was at per, as per the instruction of the, of the FDNY Assistant Chief Fire Marshal, John David Lynn. So during- Why the, though, why? It was, there's only one logical conclusion. It was meant to protect the movie company. They went as far as wanting to arrest the building owner. 
the building owner who had rented his property, who no longer had operation and control over that building. They wow. How expedient would it be? Lock the poor black guy up from Harlem and and let Lily White Hollywood give them a pass. So the building owner was black? The building owner was black, yes. And they tried to pin it on him and arrest him. That's nice. Wow. What a nice world we live in. Okay. That was one of that was one of their attempted tactics, but for but for my client, who is the whistleblower here, Fire Marshal Scott Specht. Mm. He put it, he put a stop to that and said, this is not going to happen. I am not going to do that because it would okay. be an unlawful arrest. Now let's go to Scott for a minute. So now let's fast forward here. So this is how you were involved in this whole thing. So please explain Scott and his involvement and then how he contacted you to represent him in all this. And Scott well, is the, the fire marshal right now. Yes. Scott okay. is the fire marshal right now. And I and I told him from the very beginning, knowing the knowing the way that the FDNY mm. hierarchy works, I told Scott from the very beginning, I said, you have a very difficult choice to make here. I said, if you want to pursue this, I will be with you every step of the way. I said, but you might want to just you might want to just let this one go because they're going to look to destroy you. And that's exactly what they attempted to do. They attempted to destroy him personally, his credibility, his reputation within the FDNY. It got to the point where there was a news article about- I'm sorry, who's friend. they exactly? I would, the, the chief fire marshal, Kane at the time, the okay. assistant chief fire marshal, John David Lynn, and all of their sycophants, and what's going on in the, the world of the Bureau of Fire Investigation is mm-hmm. if you go along to get along with the power brokers on the eighth floor of FDNY headquarters, you're rewarded with massive amounts of overtime. And when wow. I say okay. massive amounts of overtime, doubling, more than doubling your salary in some instances. So they have a reason to be doing this, turning on him. Okay, got it. They, they do. And... Uh, you know, it, it goes, it really goes back to, you know, in the days of Frank Serpico, there were white envelopes being Who's Frank out. Serpico? Frank Serpico was the, the quintessential whistleblower or lamplighter from the NYPD who uh, his activity instituted the, the NAP Commission and Al Pacino starred in the movie Serpico back in the early 70s. It was, he was the I guess I got to put that on my list then. <laughs> so, so back in the days of graft and corruption, when it was running rampant, it was done with cash. Mm. Today in the FDNY, it is done with overtime. And okay, I have I have went I have gone to the commissioner of DOI. I've gone to the deputy commissioner in charge of the Bureau of Investigations and Trials. It falls on deaf ears because it's an insular little club mm-hmm. where everybody protects themselves, but. But specifically with this with this fire, the FDNY from the commissioner to the commissioner of DOI to the former mayor of the city of New York, Bill de Blasio, to the first deputy fire commissioner, Laura Cavanaugh, who is a Mm. de Blasio loyalist. They have all in part and parcel covered up the death of a firefighter. And the fire officers union has not said a word about this because there's something in the fire department known as white shirt privilege. Once you attain the rank of a, of a captain or a chief, mm-hmm. you have white shirt privilege. And, you know, I know this sounds like a lot of inside baseball, but 
for your listeners, the bottom, the bottom line is Michael Davidson died on a movie set and there was no full, fair and thorough investigation into this to the point where it was reported in the Daily News, an article by Graham Raymond. I got a call from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office asking me what happened. This assistant district attorney said this was my case and I'm learning about the alleged cause and origin from a newspaper article. And I said to this assistant district attorney, I said, this is a cover up. I said, your office should do something about it. Mm -hmm. Well, that too falls on deaf ears. So what the hell? Now, sorry, just to back up a little bit. Now, your client, Scott, um, what's his last name? Specked. Scott Specked. He's the current um, marshal right now for the the F. He he is now retired. Okay, so now he's retired, but he he was active, you know, in 2018 when this all went down. They were looking for a scapegoat, basically, someone to pin this on, someone to pin um, the fact that the sprinklers didn't work, someone to blame for this. And Scott was their guy. Now, you think this is because. Well, no, Scott was the assigned investigator. And when Scott did not go along with their cover up, ah, okay. when they retaliated against him fast and furious. Now, this, like you said, this is this is an old story. Uh, but but I think what's what's bringing it to the forefront now is the fact that it starred Alec Baldwin. And right. Alec Baldwin now has his own problems on the um, the set of Rust. Right. And not only that, though, Pete, aren't you going through this lawsuit right now? Like, isn't this happening right now? Like, you know, Scott retired because of this, basically, because he wouldn't go along with their messed up story to. I mean, to me, that's so dishonorable. One of your own dies, risks his life for others. And he just Scott just wants to do right by him and his family, Michael Davidson. And then this is what happens. Yeah, and I have to tell you, for for all of, and there are some real feats of true bravery in the FDNY. Mm-hmm. For all of the bravery, the people that work in headquarters are, you know, they're back shooters, if you will. They're backstabbers, and they're afraid of their own shadow. Because what, what's happened to both Scott and myself, yeah, is there's a whispering campaign. Oh, don't listen to Speck, don't listen to Gleason. They're they're full of shit, is basically what the word on the street is. But the fact of the matter is, not one of them has the courage to address mm. what really went on that day. And the Manhattan District Attorney, yeah, you know, said said as much. She goes, she told me, she goes. We happen to think you're right, but everybody's afraid to take on the fire department because they hide behind this cloak of bravery. It's the cowards who hide behind the cloak of bravery. It's the it's the men and women who go out there every day, day in and day out, mm. putting these fires out, responding to these emergencies. Right, right. Now, I mean, what at this point, why do you think that they wanted to cover this up? so quickly and not, I mean, usually it's like when one of their own dies, they, they do want to be honorable about it. Right. Like usually um, they want to do right by them and their family. Now, are they just trying to get in with Hollywood? So they spend more money in the city or what do you think? Well, when, when a, when a first responder perishes is an immediate notification to the mayor. Okay. Mm. My theory, one of my theories on why this transpired 
is it went to Bill de Blasio's office. Bill de Blasio was running for president at the time. If you run for president, you need the support of Hollywood or you would like the support of Hollywood. So, right. so I think this cover-up came from the very, very top echelons of New York City government. And when something like this happens that can be an embarrassment or can put can impinge upon the ability to, to govern or the ability to bring in tax revenue from, the, from Hollywood. Yeah. It, it, it's very plausible that the mayor's office said, make this thing go away. I believe that. I mean, I think there was a lot of corrupt shit that went down into Blasio's office. Um, sorry, something just popped up on my computer. Donald Trump Jr. and Kimberly Gifoyle got engaged. No one cares. But anyway, um, so you heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here. So it's so crazy. Now, Alec Baldwin, yes, he was a part of this movie. No one really brought it up after the Rust thing. Like, oh, by the way, do you think it's sort of like a Baldwin curse or just a coincidence? Because well, actually, actually, the National Enquirer did did do it. Just recently ran a story on that exact point. They said, wait a minute. And also Richard Johnson mm. from the New York Daily News. Okay. Both both touched upon that. And, you know, the 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 theory be or the the adage to that would be mm-hmm. if Alec Baldwin was part of a movie production where somebody tragically died, you would think you would think that safety protocols would be on the back of his mind, particularly if he's an executive producer, as he was, I believe, in Rust. He was. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the other thing which was very, very offensive, which nobody picked up upon was Right after, right after or before this movie was released, Motherless Brooklyn, uh, Bruce Willis had his roast and the, the photograph in the New York City subways, the advertisement for his roast was Willis climbing out of this burning inferno. So, I mean, talk about being tone deaf. He was just co-starring yeah. in a movie where somebody died in an inferno. Wow. And I mean, I know it was, I know it was an adage to his uh, whatever, whatever. Roast. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get I, that. I get, I get it, but it's it's sort of being tone deaf. Well, and- I think at that point, it's like the marketing project was already made for the roast and they and then this happened. They probably were like, oh, it's too expensive to change it. That's just where my head goes. They were too lazy and they probably said it's too expensive, Comedy Central. So that's why. And you're right. Nobody did notice that. I didn't, I mean, I didn't notice it. And I knew about the fire. And I also knew about the roast. So I didn't really put it together. But that's very messed up. And, um, you know, these, these Hollywood folks, they love, they love, and they have every right to do so. They have, they love running their mouth about things that they don't really have a, they may have a passion about, but they don't have a personal involvement with. Well, I think Alec Baldwin, Willem Dafoe, Bruce Willis, and not necessarily Ed Norton because he's he's represented by counsel and he's mm-hmm. he being his production company was being sued. But the other stars of the movie should stand up and say something about what went on here. And yeah. and I give not that I'm a big fan of Clooney's, but I give Clooney a little bit of credit. For going after Baldwin. Now we yeah, always we, we know there's always a backstory. Mm-hmm. When somebody goes after somebody else, 
there's usually bad blood. We'll never know. We may never know what that bad blood is. But at least Clooney came out and said, you know, you don't point a gun at somebody and pull the trigger or whatever Clooney yeah, said. No, he he was right. I, I heard when he said that. But I also heard when Alec Baldwin gave the interview with George Stephanopoulos and he kind of said, you know, George asked him about that. And Alec Baldwin was just like, yeah, well, you know what? I did what I did. And what Clooney's saying doesn't really help anybody at this point, which I kind of agree with. Like, you know, he's a shit starter. He's just trying to start shit. Like you said, we'll never know what their bad blood. But at this point, it happened. Let's, you know, we got to learn from it because this is a very severe mistake, but it really doesn't help anyone to just kind of say, well, this is what I would do. And that's what I would do. Now, back to what you said about the other actors sort of seeing something or stepping up. I look at it from the perspective of, you know, they've got these expensive publicists they're paying 10 grand a month for. They can listen to them or they cannot listen to them. And it sounds like their publicists were all like, don't say a word. And then they listen to them yeah, because you're right. They didn't, they could have said our heart goes out to the family. You know, they're freaking millionaires, billionaires. They should have started a fund for him or something. Like, I don't know anything, but they didn't. So I don't know. Um, now what, what exactly is Scott uh, suing the city for or FDNY for exactly? For the, for the retaliation he endured as a whistleblower. And okay. is we filed a suit on his behalf. It was dismissed. And then we, we overturned that dismissal at the appellate court. So we're back at the trial court. And, you know, I don't really want to talk too much about exactly yeah. what's going on with the case at, at the moment. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's a righteous case and it's an important case. And it's, it's a matter of public interest. I really commend you for this um, because it's not, and I commend Scott so much because it's not easy being the whistleblower and it's not easy going up against Hollywood and New York city. I mean, it's crazy. I feel like Pete, I feel like this is uh, this is a tough one. I it's really tough. And I, I hope that the outcome is fair for Scott. I really, really do because I mean, it's really, it's really tragic. It really is. And it's in it for someone like me who I love entertainment. I love movies. I love films. Um, I don't like that, that this is happening and, and people are just moving on with their lives and saying, Oh yeah, you know, someone died, but shit happens. Actually, these deaths could have been prevented. That's the worst part about this is like, it's not, Yes, they're accidents, but they're accidents that we could have stopped. So I think that if people can get anything out of um, what you're talking about and, you know, this whole podcast and, and everything, it's like, just be safe, you know, take the extra time to check things, do things correctly. I mean, this is, this is absurd. These things shouldn't be happening. It is absurd. And I, I think you bring up another very valid point is you know, you say, oh, I commend you and Scott for doing this. I mean, what's what's the alternative? And it would be it's it would be a lot easier if Scott would have just went along to get along. Or mm -hmm. Well, he is a backbone and he actually has feelings and says, wait a second. This guy doesn't deserve this. Are you kidding? Now, he didn't deserve this. Like now now the power structure, like you mm -hmm. said, it's the city of New York and Hollywood. They have very power they're very powerful and mm -hmm. you know it's like gandhi said first they ignore you then they yeah. ridicule you then yeah. they fight you then you win so we're at we're at the fight right now and yeah. they, they've gone through the you know the 
the ignorance phase and and the ridicule phase. Mm. We've both been we've both been ridiculed, which is fine, because when somebody when somebody ridicules you or your client, you know they have no valid uh, argument to be made. Right. So so you get beyond that, and then you get into the arena. You get into the ring with them, and mm. you know Scott is not going to stand down from this because. One of his brother firefighters lost his life. And to this day, there was no full, fair and thorough investigation. Now, and, and it, there was a cover up. There 100 percent was a cover up. Yes, that's that's 100 percent factual. I mean, just from anything that anybody could read online, there's not an article printed anywhere in the media that says this was a cover up. Nowhere. You will not find that. Well, well the the Daily News, the Daily News did broach upon that in the sense that the boiler, which is what they wanted to blame the fire on because of it, it would have, it would have placed blame at the landlord's feet, the building owner's feet. The okay. Boiler, the, the federal government offered to take this boiler to the FBI lab and inspect it. Mm. And the FDNY would not release the boiler to the feds, but they released the boiler to the movie company. And the sprinklers, the the shutoff valves for the sprinkler system yeah. were cut out of the building after the fire. Were cut yeah. out of the scene after the fire, and nobody knows where they are. Well, I guess what I what I meant was more like no one. Sure, they're they're touching upon this, but this this is such a big deal that there is actually evidence out there and someone coming forward and saying, this is what's going on and nobody cares. And I don't want to say nobody cares, but nobody is talking about it because nobody wants to go up against, let's say de Blasio or Hollywood or whatever, because they think that they're just so powerful and they need these connections that, you know, they're just, they're too scared. And that's so sad. That is so sad. Well, I mean, you know, de Blasio surrounded himself with as every as virtually every executive in government does. They surround themselves with sycophants who want to prop up, prop up the master, prop up the king because mm-hmm. they're getting they're getting a few shekels off the table. Right. And these people are despicable. I don't know how they look themselves in the mirror. And this goes to yes. this goes to the commissioner of DOI. It goes to the commissioner <sighs> of the Bureau of Investigations and Trials in the FDNY. Mm. It, it goes to the legal division in the FDNY. They're, they really, yeah. they, they have to do this because this is their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so-called oath of office and, and every other, uh, you know, every other honor creed that somebody may take in their life goes out the window when it comes to self-preservation. Right. And this must really... Um... This must really bother you personally because you uh, were a firefighter. So you must. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I feel like and you know what, Pete, I feel about you like you are the people's lawyer, right? You are just so um, you're so relatable. You're so personable. You are you're such a good man. And you um, I don't know how you just. You don't give off like the dickhead attorney vibe. <laughs> no offense to my other attorney friends, <laughs> if you're listening. Um, no, you just you give across a warm energy where you um, you really do want to help people and you understand people because you have worked in the city and you've been you've done this before and you just so I really commend you for um, what you're you're doing with Scott and really just sticking by him. It's 
it's my disdain for hypocrisy, really. <laughs> and I, I hate I hate bullies. And <laughs> yes, that's so true. Many, there are so many people who get bullied by the system and have nowhere to turn. Oh, that's really sad. And you're, you're completely right. They, (laughs) there's a lot of people that get bullied by the system. Now, when do you expect, I mean, I don't know if you can, you might not be able to say anything about this, but when do you expect things to maybe, I don't know, close itself out or, you know, what's the courts are so slow right now. There's a backlog in COVID and, you know, I, and I get it, but uh, Scott's case is moving along. We're back before the trial judge, and uh, you know we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna probably have some motion practice, and we'll figure the whole thing out. Yeah, I you wonder know, if, if Edward Norton's people are gonna release a statement or anything like that, or if they're in it anymore, or they even you know they even know well, what's going on. Scott's Scott's case is against the city of New York. They're the ones who retaliated against him. That's right. the government entity that violated my client's rights. Sure. Um, just wondering if he's kind of like, you know, sort of paying attention could, to all of this or whatever. But I mean, could, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. We could theoretically end up deposing Ed Norton and calling him as a witness. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, that might be good for you guys only because Edward Norton also served as an executive producer on Motherless Brooklyn. So he would know the ins and outs of sort of what went he down. Was, yeah. So. He was, on scene. he was on scene that night and Scott had interviewed him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Really and you know, from, from what I know about Ed Norton, and I think I mentioned this to you when we were um, out a few weeks ago, but at the, he, Marvelous Brooklyn was the closing film for the New York Film Festival in 2019. I was working for George Whipple. He spoke openly about the fire and he spoke openly about, you know, being like, I'm so sorry for the family and blah, blah, blah. He was actually very, um, somber about it and, and didn't shut press down for, for bringing it up. So I would think that he would be very cooperative um, when it comes to that, just because he has to be. But um, all right, Pete. So I know that you don't do social media, but if people want to find you, where can they find you? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Just Facebook or what? My, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm on, I am on Facebook. Okay. Uh, but I, I have to tell you, I don't have a website. I have very little social media presence. You're and- elusive. That's why you're the people's lawyer because people just know you and they know, you know, just ask around. <laughs> I'm, I'm that, I'm that busy, but uh, mm. they can, they can certainly get in touch with me on my cell phone, which is 646-872-3546. I love that. You're so personable. I love it. All right, Pete Gleason, everybody. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about this case in the future if I have anything to do with it. So um, keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open, really. And give Scott our best. Hopefully he's doing okay um, throughout all of this and, you know, with all the COVID shit going on. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And if you like this podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple. You know where to find me at Lauren underscore interviews on Instagram, Conlon underscore Lauren on Twitter and Lauren Conlon on Facebook. All right, until next time, thanks for listening.